Welcome, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Punches and Potables, powered by Last Out Media. First in, last out. You can find us on all listening platforms, as well as on Instagram and Twitch at Podcast Potables Network, and on Twitter and Untapped at Process Potables. Make sure to check out our flagship show as well, Process Potables, who just dropped a new episode going over all the NBA free agency chaos and moves the Sixers have made. For news, blog posts, archived episodes, and info on breweries we featured, go to www.processpotables.com. Punches and Potables is on tap. Cheers, everyone. Welcome back to the show, Punches and Potables. I am your host, Paul Ryan, here with my co-host, Rob Huber. What's going on, everyone? And with us again, Sean Hardy. How's everyone doing? Wow. Can you can you be a little bit more enthusiastic? Coming from you, of all people. Yeah. I thought it was okay. Yeah, thanks. thanks I, love that. I, I think he's been getting a little bit more motivated each and every single time he's been here. Well, that's because he likes fighting with me. Well, that's true, but who doesn't? It helps when you're right. You're not right. Not yet, but we'll get to that. And I mean, we're here talking about a subject that is everything fighting. So what would it be if we, in fact, were not fighting together as well? Mm, That's fair, I guess, for now. I think so. But all right, here we go. Let's jump right into it. Over the weekend, we had the pay-per-view, UFC 255, Figueredo versus Perez. And it was, um, I would say, a fun card. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it was absolutely a pretty stellar card to watch. I was more than happy with this, and it just goes to prove that if you are listening to the podcast or tuning in on Twitch or Twitter, whatever streaming service that you're you know, involving yourself with us, that when we say you have to pay attention to these cards that may not have these big-name powerhouse you know, pay-per-views, you have to watch them because I personally thought that this weekend was one hell of a pay-per-view. I think the um, prelims as well as the main card were absolutely just fun to watch. There was a lot of action, so you have to tune into these ones. I, you know, we, we cannot stress this enough. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, most of the fights were relatively competitive. Everything was, uh, was back and forth, so it, it was definitely well worth the watch, well worth the... Uh, Sixty four ninety nine. I think all the events are now for the UFC. Hell yeah. So, absolutely worth it. Yeah, and with the whole COVID thing, we couldn't go to our normal spot to watch and, you know, tweet out to you guys. But it is what it is. Got to do what we got to do. But the UFC did put on some fun fights for us. So, we're going to run through the televised prelims real quick before we open it up for discussion for the main card. The first fight of the night, Daniel Rodriguez versus Nicholas Dalby. Dalby won that with by decision. The second fight of the night, Antonina Shevchenko, the sister of the champion, got a much-needed win in the second round with some ground pound over Ariane Lipsky. Joaquin Buckley coming off easily the knockout of the year with that spinning ninja kick, won again by KO in the second round. And then the main prelim fight card was Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royvel, which was a fun fight while it lasted. Royvel did get injured, looked like he popped his shoulder out in the fight. And it's unfortunate for him, but it's part of the fight game, and Brandon Moreno did what he needed to do to get the win and keep his number one ranking. 
Yeah, and I mean, we'll we'll definitely talk at least, I think, a little bit about what is next for Moreno as well. And uh, I mean, yeah, it was it was it was nasty, especially when they continually showed the footage over and over and over again about him having uh, Royville having the shoulder popped back into socket. Um, you know, I think anyone who's ever had that done before, you know, was able to realize that pain and see that in his facial expressions, but also anyone you know, who's ever had that dislocation or not is just able to just, you know, wince at that absolute torment that he was going through when that happened to him. Yeah, definitely. Um, You actually seen it pop out when he hit the ground. Oh, yeah. After they showed the replay, and it was just, it, it was gross. Uh, It was actually, I thought it was a lot worse, especially uh, considering the way, that the, you know, he winced, the way that everything happened, which don't get me wrong, anyone who that happens to is going to wince in pain. But the way it looked, it looked way worse. And then when his coach was able to pop it back in, mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's going to be able to get back in the octagon quick. All right, well, let's open things up with the first fight of the main card. You have the legendary Mauricio Shogun Hua versus Paul Craig. And uh, I know it's a rematch. The last fight was a draw, but in my opinion, this one wasn't overly competitive. It was entertaining, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't overly competitive with Paul Craig pulling out the second round TKO. Yeah, I absolutely agree in the sense that entertainment value was 100% there. But in the aspect of the previous, I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. Paul Craig just went in there and dominated. Uh, it, 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 there was points where Shogun really put up a performance and he was showing a lot of stride. And for the veteran of the sport that he is it was nice to see him to still be able to perform the way that he is but Paul Craig just went in there and absolutely dominated when he needed to especially he followed the game plan Uh, I loved in the midst of the rounds where his corner was really just giving him the proper coaching and the game plan of just go in there and do these things and when they had the corner speaking to him, and of course we can hear what they're saying um, while we're watching it, he went out there and did exactly what they were telling him to do at that point. And, you know, that that's just shows you the importance of having that corner and those coaches is, you know, you go out there and follow their game plan because you might not realize things in the moment while you're in there fighting in the octagon. You go out there and you do exactly what your coaches are telling you to do, and you're going to come out on top. And that's exactly what he did, and it's a well-deserved victory. Yeah, he absolutely dominated Shogun. Um, At this point, for a guy like Shogun, there can't be much left to prove in there. I mean, he just lost. I think Shogun was the 14, Craig was the 15. You're probably out of the top 15. You're 38 years old. Uh, Not too many fighters really last into their 40s and really seem to compete. At this point for Shogun, just retire. Retire that the legend that you are. Move on and keep your memory alive and don't try and tarnish it kind of what uh, BJ Penn ran into. Um, even Anderson Silva on the back end, which sure. does hurt a little bit. You know, go out. Go out still being remembered as the legend that you are and not the disappointment such as the BJ Penn. Well, he says he's not done and he still has some fights under his contract. So let's see what he wants to do. I think if he's going to stay, he might want to try to take that test cut down to 185 to try to get a change to be the bigger guy and maybe save his chin a little bit because I don't think those middleweights are going to hit as hard as some of those light heavyweights. But if he is going to stay in the light heavyweight division, 
I thought a good name for him was somebody else who just fell out of the top 15 rankings in I won Kutsilaba. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be a good showing, but in terms of him dropping weight, we also have to realize the fact that as all of us here have realized, but especially for a guy pretty much for the most part, at least anywhere between six to eight years, our senior, that a significant weight cut as you get older and older, especially when it comes to the fight industry, is only going to be harder and harder on you. So, Yes, would he potentially be a bigger guy at a lower weight class? Sure, but what about the physical task that it's going to take on his body in order to potentially get down to another weight class? I mean, we we have to consider that he's not any he's not getting any younger. We've already brought up his age. So to think about him dropping a weight class in order to potentially compete about guys and a division that are mostly filled with younger competitors, I don't know. I don't think it's worth his time. I think at this point, if he's saying he's not done, it's mostly just him saying he's almost willing to take an L or maybe face some uh, easier competitors just to pick up a paycheck. Yeah, and honestly, I don't. I don't know about the whole the middle the middleweights being that uh that much weaker than the two hundred fives. I mean, you still got guys like Yoel Romero, Jacare. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all hit like houses. They hit like Mack trucks. Damn and, right. And Shogun is not going to be able to go down there and compete with that that weight class. I just, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't really see him being competitive with anyone anymore outside of guys who aren't ranked. And like Rob said, they're either other fighters on the back end of their careers, and and you're looking for legend type fights. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see any real benefit for Shogun going forward. I think even Dana White himself said he thinks Shogun should retire, and I'm, yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah, he said he th- believes Shogun should hang him up, but I don't think Shogun's quite ready there yet, so that's up to Shogun. But if he's not, like I said, I think Iwan Kunse Laba would be a good fight for him. Both guys who just dropped out of the top 15. But Paul Craig, what's next for him? He is avenging you know, a fight he thought he should have won, and now he got that win over the legend of Shogun, and he does have a win over a guy who won not that long ago who we all thought had a good uh, performance in... Uh, Magomed, An- uh, what's his name, Ankalov, who uh, beat Iwan Kuntelaba at the Gaethje event. So I was thinking that Paul Craig moving forward should fight the winner of Misha Serkinov and Ryan Spann. That is the number 10 versus the number 13. I think Ryan Spann would be a fun one to watch. Paul Craig and Ryan Spann, I mean, that... I, it, it would definitely be a clash of styles because Craig exactly. is more the grappler and Spann is more the... Striker, but Craig showed in this fight that he can throw when he has power. And that's what I was going to get to. Yeah, I mean, it's just Paul Craig can definitely stand and bang, even though it is more or less likely that he would take it to the ground and the opportunity of him not potentially doing so successfully on his feet. And in and, and that aspect, I think Ryan Spann would be at a disadvantage. I think I don't I don't know where I'm going with this other than just the fact that like honestly I just I just feel like Paul Craig would take that to the ground real real quickly and stick to a game plan and submit Span real quick but if well, for Span where, he would have to get through Misha Serkinov first. I I understand that but I obviously you can tell I'm I'm already counting on Span to win that fight but uh I mean and maybe I'm wrong there maybe I am but I just feel like if I I think Span would win that 
that next fight that he's in, if we get Span versus Craig, I think that if Craig doesn't get too cocky on his feet and he takes it to the ground, I feel like that would be an early finish submission victory for him. I mean, looking at it, the I don't think the rankings have obviously been updated yet because Shogun's still ahead of Paul Craig. No, yeah. the ranking I just looked up has Shogun out of the rankings, Paul Craig at the 14, and Ovin St. Pru at 15. Oh, uh, well, I'm literally on the UFC's thing. So, looking at it, he he's only the 15. I mean, again, this is by the UFC's rankings. He's only the 15. I, I wouldn't push him too high. I mean, span against, uh, what? Sarkanoff is like the yeah. 13 versus the 10. So, he would jump up and face the winner of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or you can keep him back and, and have him fight like Jimmy Crute, who, who's the 13. Build him up slow. I'm pretty sure Paul Craig's a young guy. There's no need to really throw him into the top ten. Uh, actually, he's not that young. Yeah. No, yeah, he's I a mean, little bit older than I thought he is. He just maybe hasn't been around that long. Um, but even still, he doesn't necessarily have to jump up to the top ten. Give him a Jimmy Crute. See what else. See if he can keep moving forward. Build it up slow. Yeah, I think we talked about that a little bit over the weekend as well while we were watching the fights uh, in terms of Shogun versus Craig. I think it's more or less just you know, that, that back end where we were talking about in terms of their ranking. So I don't think it's too far gone to think that he could jump up as much as face somebody who is ranked 10th. You know, it, he, he put on one hell of a performance. It was very textbook. He faced a legend in the game. So to potentially put him up against a winner who may or may not be either in the top end of the you know, 15. And or, like I said, he already has a win over the number 11, Magomed Ankalov. Exactly. So to think of him going and having a potential fight that would put him in the rankings more towards the back of the top 10, I, I don't think that's unreasonable whatsoever. You can always throw him in there against Johnny Walker, who I think sitting around the 8 or 9. I don't know. Is he even signed yet, or is he still floating around out there? Johnny Walker hasn't signed yet. There you go. All right, well, we're going to jump to the next one, and that would be Caitlin Chukagian versus Cynthia Calveo. Mm. This was, for the most part, a stand-up fight, and it was a back-and-forth match. For the most part, Caitlin Chukagian was able to keep Cynthia Calveo at range and not get hit by the big bombs, and I don't want to say pick her apart because Cynthia Calveo was able to get in there and land some solid shots, but... Caitlin, being the longer fighter, used that to her advantage and was able to use that to squeak out a win. I think Cynthia did really well during this fight, uh, especially just for the, I don't want to say defensive maneuvers because she had a lot of control time up against the cage. So it wasn't necessarily def- the defensive aspect of it, but I mean, she really put on a, a great performance uh, for the underdog that she was going into it. Um, Actually, she was the favorite. That, that's right. That's right. Favorite. She was. She was. Um, but, I mean, like, it, like, she, she, to me at least, she put on one hell of a performance for the way that it started, especially for the strikes that she was taking at that point. I don't know. I, I understand and I fully agree with the fact that it was a unanimous decision, but I was not upset with her performance as the, you know, taking the loss in this fight. I think that there is a lot of great things we can take away from her in this fight and see going forward 
in the rankings for her. You know, obviously her number in the ranks is not going to increase by taking a loss here, but I think that she legitimately proved a point in this fight that is going to take her a little bit further. I mean, I'm kind of on the other side of it from you two. Really? In the sense that uh, I thought Caitlin smoked her. She was pretty much able to dictate where that where she wanted that fight, I would say, 90% of the time. She kept her at range. It was, I thought it was the clearest 30-27 we were going to see. Honestly, all, all, now don't get me wrong, Cynthia Cabez, she's a good fighter. I think that's only her second loss, yeah. I believe. So, obviously. And her second she, fight in the division. She, yep. Yeah, so, so. Uh, nothing to her. I mean, now, now I think that that fight with Lauren Murphy makes a little bit more sense in in some. Even though I have been the one who said, ah, maybe Lauren Murphy deserves a title shot, which I'm still not too far away from because there's no one else really with a long stretching winning streak outside of Lauren Murphy right now. Well, since you brought Lauren Murphy up, I guess I'll go with Norm, the winner first. I thought Caitlin Chukagan's next fight should be Lauren Murphy. Yeah, yeah, and and. I mean, look, again, uh, well, Chukagan's already beat Murphy, so that would be a rematch. And I think even in uh, Chukagan's per- post-fight interview, they asked her about potentially fighting Lauren Murphy, and she basically said Lauren Murphy will be nothing more than another easy paycheck for me. So they already kind of started that beef there, in a sense. But again, I mean... Well, I think ranking-wise it would be the three against the five, so it, it still lines up and makes yeah, sense. It makes yeah. absolute sense. No, I'm not saying anything against the ranking, but my point being is no one else really inside the female flyweight division has a winning streak. Lara Murphy, I believe, is on a three or four. At this point in the weak division that it is, that, that's got to have more. That has just It's got to have just as much claim to a title shot as anything else at this point. Well, with a win over Caitlin, if she gets that fight, would put her right in line for a title shot. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of the things where I guess, like, in the sense that I'm tired of seeing fighters, much like, well, I guess Tony has opportunities. But you see fighters go on these lengthy winning streaks. They don't get gifted the title shot they deserve. And I'm not saying, again, Lauren Murphy deserves this crazy title shot. But you see it happen constantly, and then they lose one fight, and they drop so far back in the rankings, it's ridiculous. So, Michael Bisbee? Well, Bisbee, for years. I don't think he ever went on the, like this big a stretch, really. He would go on like four or five fight win streaks and get to one fight away from the title and then lose that fight and, you know, it would take him another four or five fights to get back in contention. Right, right. I think we need to go back and actually listen to every single episode and see how many times we've actually mentioned Bisbee in terms of being just like that gate. Because that's what he title. was for years <laughs> until he finally got that shot against Rockhold on short notice and, you know, Got the nickname Left Hook Larry and basically ended <laughs> Rockhold's career. Yeah. I would say Romero ended that career. Oh, it started mm. with Bisbee. But Cynthia Calvea, what's next for her? I know she's coming off a loss. She's 1-1 one one in the division. And I think a good fight for her would honestly be Jennifer Maya, who we will get to in a little bit. But next we got to talk about Mike Perry. <laughs> there's a lot we are going to talk about about Mike Perry before we get to the co-main and main event. But let's go over the fight first. Mike Perry was booked to fight Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler pulled out because I believe he got a knee injury. So Tim Means stepped in on short notice and took the fight. Now that Rob, I'm sure, is going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here because even though Tim Means took the fight on short notice, he made weight mm-hmm. where Mike Perry missed. So that was something going into the fight. But it was a tale of 
basically two different fighters. You would think coming into this, be Perry being the brawler, that he would be the guy you'd watch out for his hands. But his hands didn't really show up. Like when it was standing, he missed more than he hit. The only round he won was the round he was able to get Tim Means up against the cage and take him down. This is two fights in a row where Perry had to try to grapple because the striking wasn't working. But they said he hasn't been sparring either, so his just his combinations and striking isn't there. He's missing more than he's hitting. But in the second round, once Tim Means stayed away from the cage and Perry wasn't able to take him down and bully him, uh, Means just started landing punches. In the second round, he wasn't throwing a lot of power. He was just hitting him just to hit him and touch him, throwing a lot of volume. And once he tied the rounds up one-to-one, in the third round, he came in and started sitting on his punches and landing with more power and cutting Perry up. Now, don't get me wrong, Perry landed some bombs in that third round because Tim Means was standing there in the pocket putting more into his punches, but that wasn't enough. Tim Means clearly won that fight two-to-one, and the best advice Perry got from his coach was from his very pregnant girlfriend, hit him in the face, Mike. (laughs) I'll let Sean go first before Rob goes on a tangent. I don't even know why we're talking about Mike Perry. Yep. Um, to be honest with you. Uh, look, the guy is, the reason he even is on the main card, and it's with good reason, is he's a high, he's typically a highlight one way or the other. Uh, most of his, he's got 14 wins, 11 of them are by TK or KO. It's a good way to get yourself boosted. Mm-hmm. It's a good way, and very rarely do you say, man, that was a boring fight with Mike Perry being involved in it. Um, He's still living off that highlight where he killed Ellenberger with that ridiculous elbow. But back to my point of why we're talking about Mike Perry, um, he, he's got this I'm going to do it on my own attitude. You know, he's not really bringing in guys. He's not really out of camp. He, he's basically doing backyard UFC, trying to do it. And, and don't get me wrong, he, he looked very good in the first round against Tim Means, but Really, it realistically just looked like Tim Means' cardio kicked in, and he was able to just kind of slowly sit there and jab him to death and pick him apart. It really wasn't that big a fight. I'm assuming Mike Perry has to take a step down in competition because as far as going forward, I mean, Tim Means is no no real way of saying, yeah, I'm looking to go forward in my career and then losing to that. So really with Mike Perry, I, I don't really have much to say other than he's, he's a show in himself. That, that's really it. Like, the guy is just... He himself is a show, and that's probably why people like him. Go ahead, Rob. All right, so Mike Perry, a bitch. Um, How are you going to be the fighter that is already on this card who you know what date you're supposed to fight on and come in four pounds overweight, and the person who steps in last minute to come in and face you is the one who actually makes weight? So there's issue number one. Second of all, the whole entire time he was interviewed, pre-fight, even post-fight, after he got his ass handed to him, and then as he was walking, now granted, up to the wrong song, and he owned that shit, he was just saying the whole entire time how no one is going to tell me what I'm supposed to do when I'm fighting. You're not that good. Like, that just surprised the shit out of me. Like, you're not that great of a fighter. Like, he is a step above somebody getting in a drunken bar fight at a low-class bar 
just because somebody looked at his girlfriend the wrong way. And he's not that fucking great. So why do you think you have the potential to go in there without any coaching or any corner person to tell you what you need to change up round by round. And he's blatantly saying in interviews that no one can tell him how to fight in the moment, and he's going to go out there and do what he wants, how he wants to do it in the moment. There's a reason why people have coaches in their corner who come in and instruct them in between rounds. And it's because they're looking at things and seeing things that you're not seeing in the midst of the fight when your adrenaline's going and there's things that you might be missing. But this guy is so much of an ignorant bitch that he is just going to go in there and swing for the fences every single time. Is he entertaining? Sure. But Tim Means went in there. He doubled him in total strikes. He doubled him in significant strikes. He just killed him overall. And it shows because if you're going to continually have your pregnant girlfriend in there as your main corner coach who is just going to yell from the sidelines, hit him, Mikey. You have to hit him in the face. Don't let him hit you. You have to punch him, Mikey. You're going to fucking lose regardless of how good of a fighter you are because your cornermen are going to see things that you're not going to see and then they're going to give you that advice and you have to follow the game plan. You came in overweight for a fight that you were unprepared for, for the, and God forbid the person you were supposed to fight actually showed up and was able to make it, he would have been even more demolished if the actual fight that he was scheduled for would have taken place. But Tim Means came in last minute and absolutely demolished him, and rightfully so. Fuck Mike Perry. I'm over his hype and the bullshit of him and his girlfriend and all of this other stuff. It's done. Put him at... He's not even in the top 15 at this point. Be done with him and just let people make him the gatekeeper to the top 15. Well, we got to give Tim Mean some credit because he was in a bad spot in the first round with that rear naked choke, and he used his veteran experience to get himself out of it. Yeah, the only thing that Mike Perry did was he grappled him, well, in the but last, he's, he's not that good of a grappler. Be, so, Well, in I'm, the last two fights with Tim Means and Mickey Gall, it's not that he was the better grappler, he was the stronger guy, and he was able to get his hands on them and bully them. Sure, yeah, and that's it. Like As long as you have a basic knowledge of that technique and you're strong, you can go in there and do that. But what happened after that? He got gassed, and he didn't have the additional technique or the proper performance at, you know, aspect in order to go in and complete what he was trying to do. So Tim Means stuck to his game plan because he had his actual coaches there in the corner instead of a pregnant wife or girlfriend, and then he followed their instruction. Like, Mike Perry's just a fucking joke at this point. He, that's all he is, and again, put he's not a ranked fighter. If anybody wants entrance to the top 15, hand them Mike Perry. Let them destroy him in the octagon because he's just going to have his girlfriend as his main coach, and then that's your way into the top 15 into that weight class. He's a joke. We're done I'm, I'm done with Mike Perry. All right, well, I'm going to throw a little bit in, and then we'll move on. Um, he says he doesn't need a bunch of coaches because he knows how to fight. He knows what he wants to do in there. He doesn't need all these voices in his head confusing him. He just needs some cool guys who are good at what they do to work out with. Wrong. Like One of the biggest ones he says is Yoel Romero. It proved, I mean, you did it once against Mickey Gall because you were able to bully him, but when it came to the stand-up, Mickey Gall picked you apart, and Mickey Gall is not a striker at all. If you want to go work with Yoel Romero, go down to American Top Team and work with Yoel Romero. 
Because let's be honest, American Top Team is one of the best camps in the world. Not just the U.S., the world. And you will have great partners top to bottom. But the other thing is, Mike Perry said he might be too big or he might just hate cutting weight. So now he's considering going up to 185. Dumb on his part. Stay at welterweight, and his next fight should be a fun one against Nico Price. Fun to watch, yes, but, I mean, I don't know, man. I Well, I would hope Nico would beat him up the way Vicente Luque him. did and then move up and try to get that top 15 fight. I would just rebook him against Lawler. Well, I was actually going to say he loses that fight, and oh, Tim absolutely. Means should now fight Robbie Lawler. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Give him Lawler. I would. I actually kind of want Lawler to go in there and knock him out. That way, Lawler could potentially get a win out of it, and potentially get back on his winning streak. Because I think Lawler's dropped like four in a row or something like that. So, Mike Perry would be entertaining for us to personally watch, and it would be a way for him to get back in the winning streak. Sure. All right, and before we uh, hit these co-main events, let's crack these beers. And since Rob is the beer guy, I'll let him explain what we're drinking. So this is one that I picked up before last week's episode. Um, surprisingly, never heard of it. And then I had one after we actually got done recording the podcast here. It's Vault Brewing, and it's Five Seas India Pale Ale. Uh, it's absolutely delicious. Now, granted, I'm going to have to take a sip here in order to describe it because it has been a week since I've had this one. But I have... I just remember thoroughly enjoying this one. Uh, and then, uh, Paul, I handed you one of my favorites, and we mentioned a little bit last week, uh, but River Horse Belgian Freeze. It's a Belgian-style ale, uh, very smooth, very light uh, in terms of the actual you know, hoppiness of it there, uh, but definitely strong in terms of the ABV. So let's uh, crack these open. We'll get a little cheers here and then uh, have a little sippy sip. Yeah, I mean, there, there's almost like a little vanilla aspect to the Vault Brewing 5Cs. Uh, other than that, I mean, it's it's just a very strong, straightforward, punchy IPA. Uh, but there's definitely a little bit of vanilla towards it there. I'm a big fan of it after having a beer or two of it for the past week or two. Uh, but yeah. Uh, of course, we got to talk about the potables here on Punches and Potables. Uh, this one is one I will be on the lookout for in, you know, in terms of just buying beer in the future when it comes to a, a nice IPA. So, uh, Vault Brewing, I'm not sure where they're based out of or where they're from, but either way, it is definitely a solid IPA that I am quite enjoying. All right, let's move it on to the co-main event of the night, which last week I said should have been the main event, and I stick by that. But Valentina the Bullet Shevchenko defending her flyweight title against Jennifer Maya. It went all five rounds, clear unanimous decision. Jennifer Maya did win a round in there, but that one round clearly wasn't enough. Um, Shevchenko, don't get me wrong, she struggled a little bit, I'm not going to say a lot. Jennifer Maya was definitely game, but Shevchenko was better all around, and it showed. Yeah, I mean, this was the one where Maya was the clear underdog by a lot. Yeah, um, you think if you you said if you bet five dollars, you would have won a hundred if she won. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely something ridiculous in there, and uh, yes, I wound up losing, but. 
not disappointed in it. Um, you know, when it came to the female fights on the main card here, uh, Calvillo versus Chukagan, uh, and then Maya versus Shevchenko. I mean, again, Cynthia went out there and outperformed to my expectations, which, you know, take that for whatever it's worth. But Maya versus Shevchenko, with the betting odds against her, with the commentators, because we all kind of made the comment about how it kind of seemed one-sided on their end, yeah, too. Which they're definitely so, a little bias. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're not supposed to be. You know, they even as much as we all may see a little bias or we understand that there's a clear favorite, you know, the commentators are not supposed to be that biased, and it really seemed like they were just going with the champ from the get-go. Mostly Joe Rogan. Well, yes, you know, and take that for what it's worth because we've all also mentioned over the weekend how it seemed like Joe Rogan maybe was a little loose in his commentating, you know, maybe due to his new contract or maybe due to him just not giving a fuck. Who knows? But either way, Maya versus Shevchenko, uh, it was a nail-biter at least in the first three rounds because you had one clear victory for the first round, then the second round went to the competitor, and then the third round went back to the champ, and then it really came down to the fourth and fifth rounds where we were kind of like, okay, here's where the champ wins it. But those first three rounds, we were all pretty much on the edge of our seats, and it was exciting and it was fun because everybody was counting Maya out. And that's what made it so amazing was the fact that she came in and basically gave a middle finger to everybody and said, fuck you, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to go all five rounds with the champ. And she did. And regardless if it was unanimous decision or not, she really went out there and she proved a point and she put her foot down and said, you know, you can count me out and make me this much of an underdog, but I'm going to show you that at least I should have been less of an underdog than this. You know, did she wind up getting the you know loss on this? Sure. You know, and still, we have Shevchenko as, you know, the, the champion here. But Maya went out there, and she really proved a point to all of us, and especially the people that were doubting her, whether it was the betting odds or the commentators. And I could not be happier with her performance. Yeah, um, I'll flat out say it. Joe Rogan's the best in the game. Joe Rogan sucked over this weekend. Yeah, um, 100%. He sucked. Absolutely. At some point, Jennifer Mai, who's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, uh, Joe Rogan was, like, genuinely impressed that she knew proper head position. Like, the way they were treating Jennifer Mai throughout the fight mm-hmm. was as if she was an amateur. Like, he was surprised that she was able to take Valentina down. Yeah, like, well, I mean, that part I kind of understand in a sense because Valentina is so dominant. But in the sense that at some point they were – she had Valentina clinched up against the cage and she knew the proper head position. Like – she was a, she was competing to the for the belt for a reason. This wasn't a girl they pulled out of a bar and said, "Hey, you're gonna go fight the best one of the best female fighters in the world." Like she's a Brazilian black belt, Brazilian jiu jitsu black belt. Um, yeah, I was trying not to burp. Um, Brazilian <laughs> jiu jitsu black belt. Um, she obviously she she beat jo- uh, Joanne Calderwood, so she's she was a good fighter. She deserves her title shot, and and it was just like, don't get me wrong. The second round was definitely a shock to me and pretty much everyone in here, the fact yeah. that she even took a round from Shashanko. But the way that they, they were commentating it, it was like Maya didn't even know how to fight. And they kept bringing up the Vegas odds. Yes, I understand the Vegas odds were big. I understand that they were huge. They should have been huge. But I don't feel that's a nece- like that's necessary to even bring up 
inside the actual fight itself on the pay-per-view. And let's not forget, too, that Jennifer Maya is a strong girl. When she landed, Valentina definitely felt it and reacted. Yeah. It didn't take long for Jennifer Maya striking, well, maybe not being as polished, but when she landed, she definitely respected that power. I'll give Maya some credit, too, in that sentence, because Shevchenko landed bombs. She landed multiple bombs that I feel like would have put most of the women in that division away. And uh, she just ate them and stood there, which I could agree with Joe Rogan in that aspect because just like Joe, I was also very surprised that she was able to just eat them clean shots and just be like, yeah, I'm still here. Well, we all agree that Shevchenko is one of the best three female fighters in the world, period. Yeah, but we can also all agree after watching that fight that Maya's chin is top-notch. I mean, like Sean was just saying, dear Lord, some of the shots, especially in the fourth and fifth round, that... The champ was hit, and oh my God, for Maya to just stand up and still be able to just eat those and that's be able sh- to, c- to continue forward. Like, that was the best part. Was that's a shootbox that, fighter, those it, fighters are known for that kind of stuff, exactly. Like, not only was she just taking them on the chin, but she was also then pursuing forward at the same time. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, Maya, she, she got her credibility at least, was. It a loss over the weekend to the champ, sure. But at the same time, she gained credibility and respect throughout the MMA community from this weekend regardless. And I think she shut all three commentators up full-heartedly, just, you know, just 100%. I, I don't think they would eat... I think they would eat their fucking words right now if they tried to talk that shit on her like they were during that fight. Well, like I said earlier, I think the good fight for Jennifer Maya going forward would be Cynthia Calveo. They both lost on the same night. They're both in the top five. See if they can get a win. As for Valentina, the only really fight right now in her weight class that you can call her for is Jessica Andrade. And I think at this point she really has full range to just call out whoever she wants. I mean, I think she's one of the fighters that's in the UFC. And I know that I have talked about how Uncle Dana needs to really put his foot down and say, you know, this is who you're fighting, take it or leave it. But I feel at this point in that division for her that she just really should be able to call out whoever she wants because she's just dominated. Well, they're dancing with the possibility of her if she, uh, fighting Andrade. They're dancing with the ability of a third one with Nunes, but that's up to Nunes too. But the other one I saw is possibly the winner of uh, Thug Rose versus uh, Zhang Weili. And that brings us into the discussion of champions or at least legends retiring and then coming back and then retiring and coming back. You know, I know we'll get into that with certain people uh, actually within this podcast as well, but uh, that's annoying in itself is, you know, oh, it's up to this person if they come back for this fight. It's like, okay, are you actually retired or are you just saying you want to take a break and you want to vacate the belt for a little, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. If you're saying I need time away from the sport, so I'm going to vacate the belt, that's fine. But just I'm I'm a little sick and tired of people being like, I'm retired, I'm giving up the game, it's been real, thanks everybody. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe they'll come back for this fight. Like, are you retired or are you not? Nunez uh, retires, I think, after every title defense. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing it, left for me. I'm retired. And all right, comes all right. Back. Yeah, it's annoying. It is what it is, but we're going to move on to the main event. Davison <laughs> Figueredo versus Alex Perez. Alex Perez is another one. 
mm-hmm. took this fight on short notice. First fighter from the Dana White Contender Series to get a title shot. The fight ended in the first round, but they came out and they, those boys were both game. They both landed some nice shots. They both were going for it. It ended when Alex Perez went for a takedown, but Davison Figueredo in a scramble using some slick shit in his jujitsu yes. was able to sink in that guillotine. And it looked like Perez was going to get out, but just the strength and grip of Davis and Figueredo put him away. I think that's really what it came down to as well. I mean, cause in term, I mean, it, it was so quick. It really was like you said, it was first round. Uh, but in terms of significant strikes, total strikes, they were both like pretty much exactly the same. Uh, it was really just that takedown and then the defense of the champ. It was just like transition after transition after transition. It was so quick that everything just happened. And, you know, even when they slowed it down and showed how everything was going, it, it was still just mesmerizing. Like, the the speed that these two fighters went in there just right off the bat and were just like, all right, you know, the, the bell rang, it's time to fuck shit up. Like, it was exciting. I wish it would have gone longer just because I could only imagine what these two fighters would have done if it would have gone into three, four, five rounds, especially because it's such a lower weight class division. I assume at least by that point that their cardio is a little bit better. So I wish it would have gone longer, but man, was it exciting for what it was. Yeah, I, I always liked the the lighter divisions in that sense because you, you'll never see a scramble like that past 55. Oh, yeah. Um, from 70 up, you're never going to see a scramble like that. Uh, that looks like it, it, it. Figueroa almost made it look like that came straight out of the gym. Yeah. Like, and you really can't – you can practice scrambling. I mean, I wrestled, Rob. We all wrestled here. Yep. You, you get into scrambles, but you really can't practice – a scramble it just kind of happens and it's the way it flows and sometimes you end up on top sometimes you don't and it was just he he scrambled beautifully to end up in that guillotine and i don't even think he knew what it just the way everything fell into place for him was perfect i think the craziest thing was just the fact that when he had him on the ground before perez started to like get out of it a little bit it was really sunk in, and then we all thought that he was getting out of it. It looked like Perez's head was so, like slipping out, but the champ just kind of really put the muscle in and just gripped down even harder, and it was more or less like his forearm was around the chin, but the bicep and yeah, most, like the armpit was... I would was, say most of that pressure at that point wasn't even on the neck. It, it was, was on the cranium. The jaw. Oh, yeah, so like the forearm was around the jaw, and then like the bicep and like kind of under the armpit was like more or less th- like on like the top or like the side of the head, and like that's when he tapped. That was the most impressive part was like how much pressure the champ was putting around the actual kind of skull and a, along the jawline, which just shows you, like, it. it's crazy if you break down the anatomy of it all. Like, when it seems... the bulldog choke as well, like, and we've seen other fighters tap out to that, where it's just, like, it doesn't seem like it's a guillotine. It's, like, more along the side of their head, but the nerve endings all along the jawline. Like, if you squeeze enough pressure there, you're going to, you're going to make someone go unconscious. Yeah, it so, seems like with Davis and Figueredo in general that they might have a star in the making there. Oh, absolutely. I, I 
100 percent and behind him well, I, I know you weren't especially beforehand in terms of him and like his previous wins and you were just like ah he hasn't done this or the fights that he has won and but no i think i think champ right now is he he's on a streak and i think it's a solid one i think we're going to see him with that belt for a long time well i think next for alex perez joseph benavides would be a good one. Oh hell yeah absolutely i know you like benavides sean yeah, yeah, no, no, it definitely would be. I mean, they both came off losses to the champ. Um, honestly, if Benavides comes back, there, how many more? There's, He's lost four times for the belt. He's fought for the belt four times. He's 0 for 4 in the 25 division. I, I, I don't even I don't know. I don't see him getting many opportunities unless the belt switches hands again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's really not. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's always right there. He's probably going to clear out most of the division at this point. But Well, it's yeah. just tough. Like I would, I, I agree with you. I think that's the fight to make. They both just lost to the champ. Uh, it does kind of put you back into a number one contendership. The problem is Benavidez already lost to the champ twice. Yeah, and the UFC did my job for me. If you haven't seen this December card, which seems cursed, just lost their third title fight in Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling. But Davidson Figueredo and the number one contender, who we talked about earlier, Brandon Moreno are going to main event that fight card in December on 21 days notice. So good on them. Hell yeah. We were talking about this earlier, uh, myself and Paul, and when I saw that, I am so excited for that. Uh, Well, they did also name the co-main event, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yes, sir. But, I mean, to have these two, especially a champ, and and that's what I love about him, the fact that he's not backing down, he's willing to defend the title, and it it's just right around the corner. Like you said, 21 days notice for two guys that just fought in this card that we just watched and we've both talked about, or all three of us have talked about, they're willing to just jump right back in it in December and really get to it, and it's for the championship belt. I mean, it's just... It's really respectable, but on top of that, it's The opposite just, of Robbie Whitaker. Yeah, exactly. Fuck Robbie Whitaker. But um, <laughs> it's like it's it's so impressive and good on both of them. Uh, I, I hope that it's one hell of a bout between the two of them. I honestly don't care who wins this fight. I am just so excited to actually see this one with such a quick turnaround and both of these fighters having put on such an impressive performance over the weekend to see them go head-to-head with each other in December. It's it's going to be crazy. At least I hope it is, and I'm so excited for it. All right, moving on to the next thing. I'm going to let Sean start off with this one before <laughs> I get into my stuff. So for the third time... Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier has been made official for the third time now. So I'm going to let Sean start before I get into my stuff. Go tear ahead. him apart. Tear oh. him apart. Right now, tear him apart. I'm just <laughs> saying, someone at this table Do it. called that they were going to sign. Sweep no, the they leg. Didn't. No, you didn't, because if you go back and listen to what you sa- said. Such a liar. Dude. Uh, no, 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 Don't no, no. try and make go yourself back sound and listen, good Because you even you started to say Gaethje for the title. Go ahead. You never said he was going to sign with Poirier, because you even said they were going to sign Gaethje. Sweep the leg, Sean. Do I it. I so never said they were going to sweep Gaethje, because I absolutely listen. listened. I listened to it yesterday. Thank God that you listened to it, because obviously, like you usually do, you only listen to what you want to hear. So, um, back to it. I literally said Dustin and Connor were going to sign. I said that fight was going to most likely happen, and as me and Rob said two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whatever it was, 
Connor was going to take Dustin because he thought it was an easier fight. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing that I did say that may hold it up is the belt. And I said, if the belt does get slapped on, Connor would immediately sign. Now, there are some rumors going on right now that Khabib Bayman, he he's come out and said, I'm done competitively. And then he tweets at Dana White, like, I'll see you soon. So, who knows what Khabib's doing, other than potentially holding up this division. However... Connor and Dustin have signed, so your smug ass little rant that you went on last week about how oh right no, there's you were. another smug rant coming. Don't you worry, I already told Rob about this earlier. Good, you can be on a smug rant all you want because when you're wrong, most likely again, and you can say, "Hey guys, I was wrong." I won't admit I'm wrong until they are in the cage. We already discussed this. So okay. the only way you're possibly right is most likely there injury. are already five things going against Dustin with Connor. One, it wasn't the opponent he wanted. Two, wasn't the date he wanted. Three, wasn't in the arena he wanted. Four, wasn't the weight class he wanted. And five, he's still not getting his share of the company. So those are things against Dustin in Connor's mind. Did you just point now, at me hold like on, hold on, five hold years on. Old? <laughs> are you kidding? Oh, no. So while they were also going into negotiations, Connor was also trying to get two other fights. He tried calling what? out Max Holloway, what? which Max didn't even bother to respond. And then he also called for the trilogy fight with Nate Diaz. Nate did respond, said, all right, bitch, sign the contract. Connor never responded. On top of that, through this entire thing, he's still negotiating the fight with Pacquiao. If the fight with Dustin interferes with the fight with Pacquiao, he will take the fight with Pacquiao for the money. Now, here's the big one. He might not be allowed out of the country. And it's not for COVID. He still has lawsuits pending against him. Well, I should say possible criminal charges in France for indecent exposure, sexual harassment, and attempted sexual assault. That might be red flags trying to get into another country. But Abu Dhabi does not care about any of that as long as money is involved. And we also discussed that earlier because Abu Dhabi will do anything for money. And if they have to pay off government officials or do anything else, they will do whatever it takes. If it means that Conor McGregor is coming to their country and they're going to fight. And especially if it's going to be in front of an audience, whether it's a depreciated amount of people or not. Conor McGregor coming to their country and fighting on Fight Island and then it being a big pay-per-view is going to draw, it's going to be money, and that country will not give a single shit if you are a convicted felon or not. Greg Hardy could show up there and they would not give a single shit if it meant Greg Hardy was going to get the millions of dollars. He was never Con- convicted. Yeah, well, <laughs> neither was Connor so yeah. far. <laughs> yes, I, I said so far. Stop defending so- Cowboys players, you fuck. <laughs> so we already discussed i like to see greg hardy get knocked out yeah and it i'm not saying that i approve of anything that conor mcgregor is accused of of course if he did any of the things that he is accused of in this film guilty then he's a piece of shit and i've stated numerous numerous times on he's this already podcast, a piece of shit yes that i don't like him outside of the octagon i just like who he is and his style in the octagon as a fighter but abu dhabi that city is going to be all about that cash flow and that revenue so if they can get conor mcgregor there they are not going to give a single 
fuck about some indecent exposure thing in France. They're going to bring him in wholeheartedly and pay him what he wants, as well as all the fans flooding into that stadium that they allowed due to COVID-19, and they're going to take all of that profit and be happy about it. They're not going to give a single shit about somebody who has any type of prior convictions that they're not found guilty of yet in the event that he is found guilty in the meantime, which due to how soon the fight is, it's not going to happen, but they might care at that point. He's not found guilty yet. They're not going to care. They're going to bring him in and they're just going to take that cash revenue and be happy about it. I still think he's going to try to find a way out of this fight. Dude, he's no, no. It's money. No, Conor McGregor's all money. So first and off, we, hold on, hold on, because I brought up other on. money fights, and you said he was going to take this fight over the money fights. Yeah, because he's going to get paid the same. Exactly. No, he'd get more money off more pay per views if he finds signs a bigger name, like I don't know, Justin Gaethje or Nate Diaz. Um. All right. So no, Conor McGregor's coming in at the same amount, whether it's Tony Ferguson, Justin. Yes, Gaethje, he will. But Justin because Poirier. he's the main event. He also gets a piece of the pay-per-view buys, and you're telling me if he signs to fight Justin Gaethje, Nate Diaz, or Khabib, he won't get more pay-per-view buys over Dustin Poirier? Ever since Khabib retired, Connor's going to be the main event. There, there's no one else that's going to be a main event over top of him. That's a, that's true. Uh, so are we allowed to now tell you why you're wrong, Paul? Yeah. Can we, can, go can, go can ahead, we that? because also so, Dana already said he ain't putting the belt on it. So they're no interim or otherwise. So there goes that argument. Go ahead, try. We didn't get to that yet. Yeah, yeah, relax. Uh, let me let me put it to you like this. Um, every time that Conor McGregor has gotten in trouble, Dana White has gotten him out of it. So that whole argument with France, you can kiss that shit goodbye. So how's Dana going to get him out of the problem in France? In the U.S., um, it's one thing. In France, it's another. Billion-dollar lawyers transfer, dude. That's bottom line. Billion-dollar company lawyers will transfer. That's how he's going to get him out of it. Just like he got him out of every, he got him out of literally destruction of property and everything else with community service. People had to get surgery off him, and he got him out of it with community service. Come on, dude! You think him pulling his wiener out potentially in a club, he ain't gonna get away with it? Who has Who hasn't pulled their wiener out in a club? Me. Dan is pointing to himself like I've pulled my wiener out in a club. You ain't never taken a piss out of your own ball. <laughs> I've never been to a club, so that's I, I've been at a titty bar with you. That's not a club. I mean, that's a strip club. All right, so I guess All it's right, club. Yeah, yeah, Shit. Yeah. It's in the name. Yeah, it is. All right, so there In that case, I have taken my dick out. <laughs> I guess that's fair for Dad. Gotcha. So, oh, uh, man. your whole him not going France thing, yeah, now kiss that out the window. Billion-dollar lawyers are going to get him completely out of that. Uh, B, I would actually maybe have agreed with you if Dustin Poirier didn't just get interviewed with at Ariel Hawani discussing the fight and the fact that they both signed, and the fact that if he after he knocks out Connor, he's going to try and pursue the fight with Pacquiao. So wait, Dustin? Yeah, get the yeah, wh- not going to happen. Oh my god, fuck this whole MMA versus boxing bullshit. I don't thank think he's your actually, boy because he started it. I don't think he's actually going to do it. I think he was just stating the fact that he thinks Connor's overlooking him, and is just going well, to get Connor kind of is overlooking him when he's trying to book a Pacquiao fight and other fights in the UFC while negotiating well, remember, with him. remember, he won it four fights, and, was... and it didn't happen. So he's trying to get that. And and again, Paul, relax. I let you get your point. We don't need to get it back into the Biden-Donald Trump thing, do we? We already had, we already went through that last week. So I let you get your five pointless points in. Let me dismantle them. Um, 
The honestly, again, Conor McGregor is going to make Conor McGregor money regardless. Uh, he's going to want the opponent he can beat, and the opponent he thinks he can beat is Dustin Poirier. Why else would he take Donald Cerrone? You think he was taking Donald Cerrone to really boost him? No, he's taking Donald Cerrone to get a win. He took a Donald Cerrone on a major losing streak who had a name. That's why he fought Donald Cerrone. Not because it was major pay-per-view buys, because Conor's always going to sell pay-per-views. No matter what, Conor's selling pay-per-views. So Conor throwing Dustin on it, making it a number one contender fight, Perfectly fine. Um, I'm not sold that a belt. Dana White's not going to throw a belt on it. I think if him and Khabib have a conversation and Khabib officially fully retires, then Dana will throw the belt on it. Because I think, though I like Michael Chandler's idea um, of the tournament, I don't think it's going to happen. Very Bellator, not going to happen in the UFC. Sadly. I actually really like the idea, but besides the point, um, it's not going to happen. So regardless of what Connor's going to take this fight, He's, he's look. I, I like Poirier, but for some reason, I think Connor's gonna win this fight. For some reason, it's because he's the better fighter. I, I think that's suspect, but I think Connor. Connor's so good at the mental game. Exactly. He already has fighters beat before they get in. I mean, Poirier does seem to have grown and matured a little bit, so hopefully that kind of sticks in. I think it'll be a much better fight than, what, was it 14 seconds or whatever? Yeah, I don't think Connor at this point is the better fighter. He might be the better um, striker, but the more well-rounded, all-around fighter, that's no, Poirier. Here, no, yeah, Dustin doesn't really wrestle too much. Yeah, but, he does but, when he has to. But it, see, here's He beat the, Pettis with wrestling. But here's the thing. I mean, he beat Pettis with wrestling, but when it comes to McGregor, it's, it's going to be a stand-up bout. And like Sean said, in terms of the mental aspect – we can talk about how Poirier said, well, the fight with Connor made me the fighter that I am today. Okay, there's still some mental aspect to that. So he's going to be nervous going into the fight with Connor because of what happened last time. So if Connor goes in but there. But you could just, say the same thing with Connor being overconfident. Connor's always overconfident. So I can't say that because if Connor McGregor goes in there overconfident, okay, it's just like any other fight Connor McGregor's ever had in his fucking career ever since he won his first fight. So if Connor goes in there and just does the same exact thing that he's always done, and Dustin even is a little bit hesitant, it's, it's a done deal right there. Like, I, I like. Dustin Poirier, I really do. I think you're underselling him. I, oh, no, I think no, I, no, I like no, Dustin. I'm, I'm, and I'm think... not underselling him in terms of a fighter. It's just when it comes to Conor McGregor, I think that Conor has the upper hand because he's already beaten him. And as much as Dustin says that made me grow as a fighter, I think once he's face-to-face against him in the octagon once more, I think it's a done deal. I think Dustin's going to, as soon as he sees Conor on the other side of the octagon, he's going to just be like, oh, well... Remember what happened last time, and I think Connor's going to have the upper hand. The thing about Dustin that that makes me nervous about Connor is uh, Dustin takes a lot of damage in his fights. Yeah, a lot. He, he really does take a lot of damage for the most part. Um, he took a lot of damage against Hooker. Uh, he took a lot of damage against Holloway. Don't get me wrong; I think Holloway is arguably one of the top. And you take that 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 right hand from a southpaw like Connor. I mean, that's no joke. And and that's what I was basically alluding to is Connor has. He's got some of the most powerful hands in the lightweight division. So does Gaethje. And I think, look, you you can always go back to that, but the the fact of the matter is, is the way that Hooker was able to handle him, and I think Connor's a much better striker. Hooker was able to land consistent bombs, not mm-hmm. like one bomb here, one bomb there. Hooker was able to land consistent bombs. If Connor can land consistent bombs against Poirier. He's going to go to sleep. I am rooting for Poirier. You are, like, talking to me like I am, like, anti-Poirier. Well, I'm hold not. Hold on, hold on. Hell, so, even at this point, I'm voting for Poirier. 
But the thing is, you're also not taking Poirier striking into consideration. No, no, not I against think, Connor. I no, I think Poirier's a good striker. I think Poirier's a very good striker. You think you think Poirier's not going to land? I'm not saying he's not going to land. I'm just saying that. And you're Connor's, saying he doesn't have the power to hurt or put Connor down. I did not say that at all. I'm no, just no, saying that sh- between. You just pulled a woman thing and jumped right to the gun. Oh, thank you, Sean. You're welcome. He so, literally jumped to conclusions because we said Connor. We're, we're not saying that. Between Connor's head movement as well as his striking and the fact that we're going orthodox for a southpaw, I don't think that Poirier is going to be able to land as significant as you're giving him credit hold on, for. Hold on, hold on. Time out. Let me ask you a question. Who's a better striker, Poirier or Khabib? Poirier. Okay, and Khabib was able to land consistently on Connor, correct? Well, he also took him down. He really only yeah, landed I mean, one big shot. The, most of his strikes came from the ground outside of that one big bomb. No, but he stood with him. Kind of. I mean, Yeah, it, he, outside of the one big bomb, he took him to the ground. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't anything where I'd say that Khabib really stood with Connor and it he, was like a, a striking clinic. He was able to Khabib. land, correct? Yeah, but Khabib also stood with Dustin for a little bit, and Dustin wasn't able to land shit on Khabib. Yeah, I mean, so... That, Connor yeah. didn't really land anything on Khabib either. No, he did hit him pretty Ooh, clean on the wall. Only yeah. one. And we could say the same thing where Dustin rocked him with one. So, but... I'm not saying that Dustin can't strike, Paul. Neither one of us are saying that yeah. Dustin's a bad striker. I'm just saying Connor has some of the best boxing in MMA. And Hands down, some of the best boxing in MMA. And that's why, unfortunately, he is going towards the boxing aspect, not only for the money, but because he is more of a stand-up, traditional boxing-type fighter because that's where he started, let alone you know, coming back into the mixed martial arts aspect of it. So... I can understand why he's going towards the boxing as much as I don't like it, but you know he is a boxer, so his head movement, his stance, his you know feet positioning, even in the terms of how he is going to maneuver, where if How's you that step gas tank? in, I mean his gas tank. Sure, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that like oh yeah he can go five rounds. He can't, but like in terms of his. Feet movement, his positioning, his stance, being a southpaw to a lot of orthodox fighters, and then his right jab, which most fighters aren't predicting considering the fact that he is southpaw and they're expecting that jab to come from the left side. Connor is one of the best boxers in MMA in his weight division in terms of going to boxing, is he? What weight division is that? Look, dude, I mean, you can sit there and try and do your smug bullshit all you want. Connor has some of the best boxing in the lightweight division, hands down. Now, where Connor struggles, much like Rob was alluding to, all of Connor's losses have come from the ground. Yep. They've all come from the ground. However, when he was able to keep the fight standing, he hasn't lost. I'm sorry. Didn't Nate Diaz rock him, and that's what caused the choke? But where did the fight finish, Paul? Because Connor went for the takedown. Okay, again, but it finished on On the the ground. ground. But what got it there? He got hit. Getting ball, yes. hurt by okay. Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz also has hurt plenty of people off volume. So what's your point, Connor? Yeah, yes. it wasn't volume. Nate no. Diaz also can't speak a full sentence because of how many times he's been hit in the damn head. Look, dude, and, and again, I'm not disagreeing, but um, our, our point was Connor has lost on the ground. That's where his fights have lost, on the ground. And I don't foresee Poirier taking the fight down. Yes, no. you have one outlier where he took Pettis down. You got it. No, he's taking a few people you down. Got one Max outlier. Holloway. For the most part, he that fight was out Max Holloway. That fight was standing for the most part. And then No, you're talking the second fight. The first fight, he oh, tapped him out. you're talking about at 45 when they were both yep. like 20. All right. 
cool you got me. You still they... have other examples, but we can do this talking, argument all day. We got to move years on. Years ago. <laughs> we got to move on. Uh, we have another return coming. He was losing. That's why he ran <laughs> No, it wasn't. Oh, my no, God. No, it wasn't. We can go on this all day. You are a woman. We can go on this all day. You know I can go against Connor and, and Forpuri all day. You're a woman. You, oh, my you, you, God. But we only have an hour. You, you, you can go against Connor as good as uh, Tony Ferguson. <laughs> Dog. Tony would destroy Connor. I don't agree. Go ahead. Go ahead, John. All right, look, uh, I think Tony would beat Connor. This is why I did this reason- because I, I wanted know, this conversation to happen. You. I know. Woman. No, Woman. no, no. He brought up Tony, <laughs> no, not no. me. No, and that's why I did it because so I knew look, I knew this would divide the room. You hundred percent right. I do think that that Tony has more tools to beat Connor than Connor has to beat Tony. I think Tony is more comfortable off his back. His his awkward, weird I do striking agree with that. would um would really pose some problems for Connor. And I don't think the mental warfare would work on Tony as it does on most fighters. So I think for them, you're almost going in with a clean slate. I like Tony's awkwardness better than Connor's clean. All right, we done with this? Because we got to move on to another yeah, return. Yeah, okay. yeah Paulette. So another one of, listen, Shanette, we don't need any of your shit. <laughs> but oh, moving on, the return of TJ Dillashaw. His suspension will be up in January. And there seem to be two names floating around. Um, the two names are Corey Sandhagen and Frankie Edgar. Let's, well, let's see what you guys think. Rob, who do you think he should fight? I mean, I love Frankie Edgar. Uh, I want to see him in the octagon more often than not. So I want to see that fight happen. Uh, honestly, I'd be happy with either um, Sandhagen or Edgar. It's, it's going to be a, bloodbath either way you know Dillashaw is intense and both Edgar and Sanhagen are as well so I I really don't care either way I'll admit that um so it really comes down to just personally for me I would love to see Frankie Edgar back in the octagon especially if it's going to be against TJ Dillashaw so uh that's my pick strictly just because I think both opponents would be equally as impressive for him. Uh, and if it comes down to that and there's really no one side or the other, I'm just going to go with the fighter I like more, which is Frankie Edgar. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I- I'd rather see him fight Cody. Corey? Uh, Corey, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> you already two. seen him fight Cody twice. Cody, we know how that ends. Cody, too. I-, I I mean, Cody, three at that point. But, um, no, no. I- I- well, I'd hold rather... on. Cody, well, right now, Cody looks like a big hypocrite with what happened with him and oh, TJ. Yeah. And now with this whole Davis and Figueredo said either he's just saying they're trying to build him up so it looks that much better when he beats him and takes the belt. Yeah, probably. Anyway, uh, moving on, as some women like here to say. Um, oh, my little <laughs> sister's upset. I'm not the one who's just picking arguments Wee. right there. <laughs> Someone's going to ask you what's wrong at some point, and you're just going to say nothing and turn away. I can't wait. Must be Shark Week for somebody to my left. Blood in the water. I'm not the one who just threw a hissy fit there, sitting oh, there dear. throwing your hands out. Oh my god! Oh, this is the only episode Twitch isn't going. It's the episode Paul's face was all red and his hands were flying. <laughs> Go figure. Damn it, um, Dan. Anyway, uh, back to the point. Um, Damn, I'd rather Daniel. See, yeah, I'd rather see him fight Corey because I think Corey's going to get him closer to the belt. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm a major fan of Frankie. I'm pretty sure Corey pretty much put himself in line for the belt. Didn't he just beat Marais? Yeah, that's right. I'd say that. 
Yeah, okay. so he just beat Morais. So I would like to see him go right in against him. Um, I'm a major fan of TJ. Like, his striking is ridiculously smooth. He's very well-rounded on the ground. So I'd actually like to see him get back in there and get his belt back. Um, plus, I really like Frank Yeager. It, it's a tough call because I want to see Frankie get the belt too because I'd like to see him get one more before he retires. But if I had to pick, I'd say give him Corey and push him yeah, more towards shot. the belt. Um, I don't know. I, if I'm Corey, I know he said he was interested in that fight, but if I'm lined up for that title, I don't take it. How many times in the last, I want to say, year or so have we seen these guys, like a Joanne Calderwood or Frankie Edgar? Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson take those fights and lose their title opportunity. Like, And right now Glover's kind of in that position with everything going on. Glover earned it, but they're just doing a BS super fight. Well, same true. same thing. Corey just earned it, but you know they're doing his fight is coming off, and now TJ's coming back in and trying to throw himself in the title picture, which I understand you were the champion, but the way you lost it and your last fight was a loss, you shouldn't be right in title picture. You should have to get that win. And if I'm Sandhagen, don't get me wrong, it's a good fight, a big name to put on your resume, but why risk your title shot? Yeah, but at the same time, you say the thing, same thing about Aljamain Sterling. I mean, the amount of times he earned his title shot and Dana White wouldn't give it to him. I mean, Corey could be in the same situation. He could have to keep winning in, in order to force Dana's hand and say, all right, I can't refuse you anymore. And beating Dillashaw is a golden ticket well, right I would, that belt. Well, I yep. would wait and test my luck to see if I can wait and get that title shot. If I have to fight, then I'll I'll do it when it comes to that. But if I'm if I'm the UFC, you can't not book TJ Dillashaw versus Frankie Edgar. That would be a huge fight. Legend events, former champion, TJ, who's arguably one of the best 135-pounders of all time. Um, I know you ba- you talked about his striking, and Dwayne Ludwig based that striking off of Dominic Cruz's style, and he modified it, and we know how good Cruz can be, or he was before he, all those injuries. Um. Because either way, whoever wins that fight is right in line for a title shot. And both of them have a chance to win. I'm not saying they're going to. I think Frankie made the move down about five years too late. Oh, definitely. He definitely waited too long. After he lost that fight to Brian Ortega, he should have dropped. Right then and there. uh, Or the second fight to Aldo. Yeah, I would say UFC 200. He should have dropped down after that. He probably would have already had this belt by now, and you'd be talking about him walking off in sunset in retirement. But Frankie TJ, for me, is the way to go. Because that, like I said, legend fight versus former champion puts either one in title contention. If T, if Frankie wins, he has a win over arguably one of the best, I would say, top two uh, feather or bantamweights of all time. Uh, puts Frankie right up. He's already a legend, but it puts him right in title contention and title status. I mean, and it's money. There's nothing really for the UFC to lose on that one. I mean, I think something in this aspect is... Another one where people just don't know where to stop because that's the worst part about it really is like we, we talk too much about fighters who could have gone out in the Hall of Fame, but they, they just kept going and they didn't know when to stop or they didn't know when to take their last fight or they could have been in the Hall of Fame, but then they went on like a six-fight losing streak because they... They, they kept going. I'm going to cut you off right there because speaking of somebody who might not know when to Go stop ahead. is Cowboy. Cowboy is coming back at the begin- at next year, and he announced he's coming back at lightweight, where he should be. He should take that rest. Like I said, he shouldn't be fighting five times a year. He can't do it anymore. But now that he's coming back at lightweight, 
who should he fight? And there's three names, two names that we talked about, and I'm going to add a third next with it that I think are all good names that could possibly be good fights for Cowboy, and I'll see what you guys think. For the first one, a rematch with Jim Miller. No. Um, Michael Johnson. Yeah. Or Bobby Green. I'll take that one. Yeah, I don't know why I keep throwing Michael Johnson in these lightweight mixes. Well, because he's a, kind of on a skid, kind of like Cowboy. He's on like, dude, he's like two and seven. One or, yeah. One. Like in his last nine fights. That's not a and skid. Cowboy, that's the Bellator, And Cowboy dude. Lost, yes. lost four and his last fight was a tie. So he's kind of in that I, same category at this point. Been, at least Cowboy's been able to go on like four or five fight win streaks. I mean, two and out of your nine fights, you only got two wins, dude. Take a hike. The only, you must have signed one hell of a... You know, UFC-friendly contract to still be there. Well, that was the thing was the fact that, you know, they it, it was hope and a prayer for UFC, and then it turned out to be a freaking disaster. Well, a lot of those fights Michael Johnson was in. It just, in the end, it didn't work out for him. Like his last one against Tiago Moises, he was killing him the first round. Then Tiago Moises caught him with that Imanari roll and locked in that heel hook, and it was over. Oh, wow, you and got one that, round. that fight in Philly where he was winning 14 minutes against uh, Josh Emmett, and then Emmett just clipped him at the end. I mean, I mean that's get... fair, but you, you can't I mean, a loss a... is a loss, but he's still in there. He's still competitive. <laughs> I, and we've talked about that before, See but, it. like, you can't, like, you can't be on the top of your game for five to ten minutes and then just give up the rest of the round. Like, like it's just... You have to be an all-in fighter, like well, he, sometimes and he's it, not. It's just, it's just that one punch. Sometimes it only takes one. No, I mean, I get being, like, you know, you, you lost to a specific knockout or, like, you know, like, oh, one, one hit here or there, but that's not the case when you lose how many fights in a row? Michael Johnson has gotten the longest leash in the in the UFC that I've ever seen. And I don't understand it because he's not a crazy fan draw. Like, he must, dude, he must work for pennies. Like, I don't know how he's still in the UFC, to be honest with you. So, just give me $1,000 and I'll let somebody punch me in the face. Yeah, like, it's, mm. it's, I've seen, Penn, get, probably. I've seen people get the belt. Yeah, but he has legend status at least behind him. He did. Mm-hmm. You know, he's at least got history that's worth going back and going, you know what? Yeah, BJ Penn was one of the best lightweights of all time. In fact, he was a at pioneer into the lightweight division for essentially. What Before, does Michael Johnson have? He was he he was the runner up on the Ultimate <laughs> Fighter. That's his claim to fame at this point. Why we're supposed to be talking about Cowboy? Why are you going off this tangent about Michael because Johnson? Because you keep bringing him up two weeks in a row, and he's done. Bobby Green's your best option because they both they're they're roughly around the same level. Bobby Green's trying to pro- propel himself forward. Cowboy's trying to get back in the mix. The easiest way to do it is fight, which Bobby is Green. fair because I mean, well, you don't want to see a rematch against your boy Miller. I, I'm a pro Miller because he's from Jersey, and so are we. Yeah, I mean, but when it comes to Cowboy. In a good sense, maybe he'll put on a great performance, but for the most part, he is now just almost like a gateway to, like, it's like you beat a legend, but it's kind of like what we talked about with Silva. Like, are you beating a legend at his best years? No. So is it really that impressive? And with Cowboy, I mean, he he lost to shoulder shrugs from Conor McGregor before he knocked him on his ass. Like, well, he, he admitted he wasn't all in that fight. Well, he didn't Conor there. ain't got that kind of power. And well, no. He got caught with that hip in the beginning when Conor ran and did that, and that's but, where he got rocked first. Okay, but so regardless of where he got rocked, like he didn't really necessarily take any knockout power to the chin until after the shoulder shrugs to the nose. Like 
where is Cowboy in this aspect where we're saying, okay, like, do do we give him the credit because he's a legend or do we just, you know, say, all right, anybody at the top 15, just, you know, he's a gateway person, but because he's Cowboy, we don't make him a gateway per Like, like, where is he? Like, he's not a gatekeeper because of his name, but at the same time, like. I said he should be in the same boat as Pettis and, like, Condit. Just go out for fun fights and money fights and fights that excite him. But he'll never accept that. If the money's right, Cowboy will. He knows he's not going to be champion. He's already made that. He's already made that uh, statement. He goes, at this point, I know I'm never going to get that belt. It's all about going out, fighting, doing what I love. I get that, but we've talked about it before as well. I think that Uncle Dana really needs to, like, cut the cord and just pull it because it's... All this guy does is fucking defend Cowboys. Name ass. Do you, do you wear spurs to the podcast? <laughs> Every day. Assless chaps, too. What do you want? Oh, God, please <laughs> don't ever. Oh, the face on Dan on that one was great as he was flipping me off. <sighs> All right. Nobody so wants to Bobby see Green Paul's versus Cowboy would be the chaps. What do you think? A main event of a uh, fight night? Who versus what? Cowboy Bobby Green. Main event of a fight night? Uh, main event of a prelim, maybe. Yeah, seriously. I was but like. It's sad because I love Cowboy Cerrone. I I do, but there's there's nothing there at this point. Like there's there's no excitement. Why would I want him on a main card? Like maybe the first fight of a main card. Yeah, I could agree to that. Like um, that that's it. He, yeah, he's living off his name at this point. He really is. Moving on from there, <laughs> we have a fight night this week because these guys all blah blah. You know, whatever. <laughs> All right, I'm wrong, so let's move on to the next topic. No, because you, got, you guys are on so this whole, gonna... he's done, he's done. He's not done. All you got to do is look at the fights. I'm not yeah. saying that he's yeah, done. Cowboys We're just saying that he's not going to. going to be in Bellator, dude. Exactly. He'll never go to Bellator. Dana White won't let that happen. Uh, I think Dana White will let that happen. Dana White, what, Anderson Silva walk, he'll let Cowboy. I don't think he thinks Anderson's going to fight. That's the thing. Um, look, dude, I think... You're gonna you, you, so you're telling me he'd let Cowboy, who's never won a belt, over one of his prime champions at some point. I think he, well, he oh let, shit, is that right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm honestly like showing like my uneducated aspect in terms of MMA. Yes, Anderson was released. No, 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 not that. Cowboy's never won a belt. No, no. I honestly thought he he no. He's fought for titles multiple times, but he's never won. Well, fuck me. I don't even think he Not had one. Literally, in, he please may have don't, had one in WEC. No, nah, he fought for the belt a couple times in WEC, but I don't think he ever won. Not once in WEC. No, because I think he fought Benson Henderson twice and lost to Benson in uh, you, you, WEC and then avenged the loss in the uh, UFC. That, that's what, that's where I thought he won it. He might be able to get it in Bellator. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Maybe he can beat Patricio, which I don't even think he could beat Patricio at this point. All right, we have a fight night this week, which I think we all agree on who the winner of the main event will be. But we'll talk about the co-main event first because it's somebody we brought up multiple times over the last couple of weeks, very unnecessarily. But Anthony Lionheart-Smith. Oh, fuck him. The number six point. on a three-fight skid fighting the unranked Devin Clark. My, my, how he has fallen. I mean, I'm honestly pulling for him in this fight, and I do think he's going to win, but it's because he's fighting somebody so low in the rankings. I feel like they're just giving him a win at this point. But because of that, 
I'm kind of hoping he gets knocked the fuck out. I mean, he really hasn't fallen that far. If you think about <sighs> it, he went from number one to number six. Really yeah, but if you look at those fights, fall from none grace. of them were competitive, and he's been destroyed in his last three fights. Uh, no, and not- I don't think he should be even at number six. I think he should be on the back end of the ten. Look, I like Anthony Smith. I, I have no issues with Same. him. Same. Um, I think this is a UFC throwing him a let's see where your head's at fight type deal. Like, let's see if you still maybe have it or maybe just like Cowboy, we should potentially be looking to send you over to Bellator 2. Um, which is why I think, I mean, kind of off topic, but in a sense, the worst thing the UFC did was get rid of WEC or Strike Force because what they used to do is use it as like your minor leagues. Yeah, like Chael Sonnen jumped up back and forth a couple times. Right, so when they were on a couple fight skid, they'd drop them down to WEC, let them win a couple, and then bring them back True. up to the big show. And, and it actually would be really nice to see them have it. Cause well, you could... I think they own the PFL, so that's kind of what they have going with the PFL right uh, now. PFL is straight ESPN. That's, that is Disney's yes. fight league, dude. Yep, no, that's, that, that's correct, yep. Yeah, they don't have anything to do with that other than sharing a network. That's fair. But moving on to the main event. Which we all think is going to go is going to be a very one sided affair. Curtis Blades versus the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Yeah, I think it'll be one sided, but at yep. the same time, uh, God forbid Curtis Blades does decide to stand with him, which will be the dumbest thing he's done because he struggled with he struggled with Volkov. I said understand, so did the Black Beast, but uh the difference is that the Black Beast lands some of the shots that Volkov landed, uh Derek Blades is gonna be picking up his teeth. Or Derek Blades, I'm sorry. Curtis, Curtis Blades. Blades. Derek Lewis throwing those big punches. Well, you just got to hope he didn't get that call from Trump, but he's not fighting a Russian, so he might not get that call, and his balls might not be as hot. I want him to win just for his post-fight. Oh, his post-fights are always entertaining, like when he knocked out Travis Brown and asked where Ronda's fine ass was. (laughs) Okay. And telling his wife he was going in deep that night. Yeah, he's brutal. Hilarious to watch, but brutal. Yeah, I think Curtis Blades is going to take him down and just beat him up on the ground. You just, you know, stick and move, set up your takedowns, and don't let the big guy hit you. Because if the big guy hits you, you're going to sleep. No way around it. I feel like that's everybody's game plan against Derek Lewis, though. It's just a matter of being able to do it. Well, Curtis does have the wrestling credentials to do it. I don't think anybody did it as easily as DC. But if there's anybody in the heavyweight division right now who has the wrestling credentials to do it, it is Curtis Blades. Probably. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that has to be everyone's genuine game plan going into it against Curtis or against Derek Lewis is, all right, let's take him down and not strike with him because he's going to knock us out. Unless you're Francis Ngannou and have one of the most boring fights of all time. I mean, Derek Lewis did beat Francis Ngannou. He did. I think there was, what, eight total strikes thrown that night? I don't know. (laughs) It was awful. We are going to wrap things up here. So I think between the three of us, we've had great time. As always, debating one another. More so me and Sean just really just beating the shit out of Paul in terms of how we think he's wrong. But if you disagree, please let us know. Message us on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, any of our platforms here. We would be more than happy to discuss our interests as well as the MMA aspect with you. Uh, Sadly, we did not get to go to Buffalo Wild Wings due to the COVID restrictions, but we all hope that you are staying safe out there, staying healthy, and we hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, We will be back relatively soon in order to make sure that we are keeping you updated with all of the MMA goodness going on. This is Rob Huber. Paul Ryan. Sean Hardy. We'll talk to you soon.